not to run into problems in my life. How many of you want that? How many of you want that? How many of you don't want to run into problems? Come on, lift up your hands. Oh, have you got your hands up? How many of you don't want to run into problems? Lift up your hands. The angels can see your hands. All right? Okay, we don't want to run into problems. So is this sermon for you? Is this word for you? Yes. Okay. Can I ask you to look at, what did I say, Christopher? Haggai, chapter 1, verse 5, and chapter 1, verse 7. Say the same thing. Haggai, chapter 1, verse 5, chapter 1, verse 7. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. It's so important that we consider our way. You may think you have many ways. The Lord is saying, consider your way. There's actually one big way. That's the way you run your life. And you need to look at it. Is your life going somewhere? Is your way working? Consider your way. You can look it up, Haggai chapter 1 verse 5 and chapter 1 verse 7. Okay, let's go to Psalm 119. Don't worry about that. Psalm 119, verse 67. Psalm 119, verse 7. Uh, verse 67. I encourage you to bring your Bible. Also, I encourage you to have your pen, your pen and your papers, your pen and your notebook. You know, as when you listen and you write, you notice that your brain becomes smarter. When you listen and write, you become smarter. Your brain actually works a lot quicker. Now, don't think that because you've reached a certain age that your brain has stopped growing. No, your brain is still growing. How many of us know that? You don't ever stop growing wise. So don't pull the brake and think that I've stopped because I have reached a certain age. The more you use your brain, the smarter it gets. How many of you want to be smart? Lift up your hands. So you need to use it. It's called the law of use. How many of you know that if you have like a bag of pens, and let's say you've bought those pens for one, two months, and you haven't used them. How many of you have experienced that? You know, you pick up one pen and you try to use it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. All the ink has dried out. So say to the person next to you, the law of use. Amen. If you want to be wise and smart, you need to use your brain. And the best way is to use your brain to serve the Lord. Can we say amen? All right. Let's look at Psalm 119. If you have your Bible with you, turn that, turn to that with me. Psalm 119, verse 67. This is David speaking. Psalm 119, verse 67. David said, before I was afflicted. What happened? Why was he afflicted? Why did he get into trouble? What happened to him? I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. The word astray is the Hebrew word tawa. It means to wander, to err, to stagger, to waver. To be misled, to be intoxicated, drunken, to be seduced. How many of you know that David was wise? He realized why he was afflicted. 
He didn't blame it on anybody else. He didn't blame it on the situation. He did not complain to God. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. This is called the law of consequence. There is a consequence to our choices. There is a consequence to our actions. It's called the law of consequence. And David recognized that right away. He recognized it right away. He identified the reason for his affliction. He identified the reason for his sufferings. He identified the reason for his failure. It was because he went astray. But now, come on, say it with me, but now. One more time, but now. That's his rescue. But now I have kept your word. Glory be to God. How many, of you, how many of us know that going down the path of anger will release the emotions of hostility, resentment, violent emotions, violent emotions of retaliation, violent emotions of revenge? If you release the emotion of anger by going down the path of anger, then you are emanating all sorts of negative and destructive vibes. Your atmosphere becomes toxic. Your atmosphere becomes hostile. Your atmosphere becomes unwelcoming. The whole atmosphere becomes demon tied. The whole atmosphere becomes toxic and devilish. Because the way that you take the way that you take will take you somewhere that is off the devil because you got on his path. How many of you know that even Moses, great man of God, a humble man of God, he lost his place in the promised land. He could only see from afar. Why? Because he was provoked. God did not say, I understand why you were provoked. I understand that. No, there is a law of sowing and reaping. There is a law of choices and consequences. Amen. So we're going to look at that this morning. So we need to understand. Now, please understand that God is not chastising you. He's not beating you up with his word. The word of God gives us understanding. The Word of God tells us how things work out. So we can choose the good, we can choose the wise, choose the constructive, choose the beneficial, and reject the wrong. And not go down the path of destruction. Can we say amen? Amen. It's better to learn than to suffer pain and get up. I mean, it's still good that you've gotten up. It's better to learn from the word than have to suffer a lot of pain and have wasted a lot of time and have wasted a lot of resources. Can we say amen? So how not to run into problems in my life? It's better to be preventive. How many of you have heard of the saying that prevention is better than cure? Right. 
I say to the person next to you, prevention is better than cure. You don't want to suffer till you're 80. You don't want to suffer till you're 90. You don't want to suffer till you're 70. And then have just maybe a few decades of good life and then go to heaven. Isn't that true? Would you like to have a long, good life? Psalm 91, with long life, I will satisfy and show you my salvation. Lift up your hands and say, a good, long life. That's what God wants for me. Say to the person next to you, and I'm not missing out. Praise God. Amen. So how not run, how not to run into problems in my life? Number one, write it down. Number one, identify the will of the Father. Identify the will of the Father. How not to run into problems in my life? Number one, identify the will of the Father. Let me ask you a question. Do you accept problems as part of your Christian life? Do you accept problems as part of your Christian walk? Come on. No. Say with me, no. Say with me, no. Your yes is a yes. Your no is a no. Yes is yes. And so problems, oh, she said, yes, I'm coming. No. You need to tell the devil, no, no. Let me tell you something. You think Jesus died just for you to keep spending your life, your lifetime, either solving problems or being stuck in problems? Do you think that's what your life is about? Do you think that's what your time is about? Until you die and go to heaven? No. Or that Jesus wants you to have a problem-free life. Amen. So you can serve him and help others freely, joyfully, glory be to God, and effectively. Time is for you to use and not for you to waste. Come on, say with me. Time is for me to use and not for me to waste. Say with me, time is my tool, not my master. Let me ask you another question. Do problems, let me name some of them for you. Sickness, wars, poverty, relational headache. Do they come from God or do they come from the devil? Come on, tell me. Where do they come from? The devil. Where do they come from? The devil. One more time. Where do they come from? The devil. Problems are on earth. Let me ask you another question. Are there problems in heaven? Is there sickness, poverty, war, strife in heaven? No. No. Are there problems in eternity? No. Are there problems in the presence of God? What does the word of God say? In his presence, there is fullness of 
joy. How can you be joyful if you have a lot of problems? So say with me, I reject problems. One more time, I reject problems. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me ask you another question. You might be having a problem with your spouse. But when you see each other in heaven, will there be any more problems? If you're having any problem with your spouse, your wife, your husband, when you see each other in heaven, because you're both Christians, will you still have problem with each other? Come on, answer me. Loud and clear. No. Because <laughs> there are no problems in heaven. Isn't that right? Let me ask you, what is the prayer of Jesus? Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Repeated in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. The prayer of Jesus. Or we call it the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? In earth as it is in heaven. A lot of Christians, we have the understanding or we have the wrong thinking that what God wants to give us a little bit of pain a little bit of problems here so we can grow up, so we can mature? I'm going to answer that question for you today. The answer to that is no. Definitely no. How many of you fathers will give a little bit of sickness to your son in order that he can mature and learn? Would you? How many of you mothers would pray Oh, Lord, let my daughter be run down, not by a car, too bad, by a bicycle. So she can learn and mature. How many of you would pray that kind of prayer? No. And how dare you think that God would do that to you? That's blasphemy. That is questioning the integrity, the love of God. Jesus pray out the will of the Father, right? Yes? So do you submit to the will of God? Do you believe in Him for an overcoming, problem-free life? Or are you still entertaining problems and accepting them because that's part of life? You need to examine your way. Consider your way. Are you accepting problems, entertaining them in your head, in your heart, because that's the way you feel, because that's your theology, that's your experience, that's what everybody is telling you? Do you, do you believe your experience more than the Word of God? Are you wiser than God? Listen to me. We can't serve the answer and the problem at the same time. Who is God to you? To whom do you give most of your time, your money, and your energy to? Whenever you have a problem, let me ask you, how much time do you spend on solving your problem? How much time do you spend crying because you're in the midst of a problem? 
how much money and energy you have wasted because you are in the midst of a big problem. And as a result of that, you only have a little bit of time left for God. We spend so much time, so much energy serving our problems. And no time, no energy for God. And as a result of that, you're like a dog chasing his own tail. You're repeating your problems because you're serving them. The devil loves to have you to serve him. Your life becomes problem-centered, problem-driven, and you're living by problems, and you're living for problems. And no wonder your face is sad, and you are mad most of the time. So what's the answer to number one? Identify the will of God. Number one. Number two, identify the way you are on. What's the path you are traveling? Identify the way you are on. Go with me to Psalm 119, verse 67 again. Psalm 119, verse 67. We read that just now. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So what path he was on? He was going astray. And that's why problems could legally cling to him and attack him. How many of you know that there were times when David was so depressed? If you had read the book of Psalms. He said that his tears drenched his bed, his pillow. He went through times of depression. The key is his mark. Psalm 119 already. David knew that he was going down the wrong path, which took him to affliction. So what thoughts, what emotions are you entertaining? Let me ask you. What's going on in your soul? What's going on in your will, your mind, and your feeling? Who's talking to you? The accuser or the intercessor? Who is talking to you? The spirit of truth or your soul talking to you? Reacting to the fact. Let me ask you another question. Are you sowing good seeds into your heart? Or are you scattering weeds in the garden of your heart? You should be the one to control the garden of your heart. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. So consider how you're sowing to your relationships. It may not be always somebody else's fault. It's how you've been relating to that person. It's how you've been conducting yourself when you're with that person. Consider your finances. Consider your work. 
What's your attitude at the workplace? And most important of all, God said, consider your way. Are you building your house and ignoring the house of God? Is your house more important than the house of God? Do you spend a lot of time and money building your life? And have no time and no money for the Lord's house. Whenever there are problems, oh, I need to withdraw myself from the work of the Lord because I need to take care of me, number one, my house, my family, my job, my children. So the heart is reflected in our choices, in our priorities. And that's why God said in Haggai, chapter 1, verse 5, and he repeated in verse 7, consider your ways. Hallelujah. Am I contributing or am I tearing down? Am I blessing someone or am I cursing Am I contributing to his well-being or am I ruining him? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I saying? What am I doing? What am I planning? What am I anticipating? Are you anticipating good or are you anticipating evil? What's the path that I'm on? Am I on the devil's path? Or am I on God's path? Is my future bright and clear and joyful? Or is my future gloomy and full of doom, full of dread? Which way you are on will take you to the destination that the way is built for. So if your, if your way is negative, and you're building, you've been building your life on what is negative, your thoughts, your emotions, and your will, they're all negative. You've been driven by fear and anxiety. For sure, that's where you will end because your way would take you to your destination. That's why in the book of Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray, wandering, meandering, erring, wavering, staggering. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each and every one to his own way. This is my way. This is your way. This is her way. I did it my way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So going astray is sinning. Going astray is sinning. And Jesus made it very clear. What did he say? Seek you first. Seek you first. Seek you first. Seek you first. The kingdom of God. Build his church. Build his house. Build yourself as the house, the temple of God. And all these other things that you so desire shall be added unto you. That's God's priority. And that's how he conducts himself. That's how he thinks. And that's how he does. Can we say amen? Go with me to Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 to 24. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 to 24. This is Jesus speaking. Now once again, 
Don't take the word of God as chastising you. Don't think the word of God is holding you or beating you up. That's scrupulosity. God's word is to clarify things for us. Help us to think. Help us to make the right decisions. God's word is our counseling. The Holy Spirit is the best counselor because he doesn't just counsel you with words. He gives you the power to live out his counsels. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, if God is always just a duty to you, we don't like duty. We don't like duty. We like what we like to do. So if God is only a duty to you, you just quickly do your duty, and that's it, and then you go out and do whatever you like. Then God is not your treasure. And that's why it's so important for us to taste and see that our God is good. If you've tasted healing, if you've experienced healing, if you've tasted prosperity, you've tasted and experienced the provisions of God, He is good. He is good. If he has told you things before and then it happens, and praise the Lord, you've avoided the trouble, then he's good. Praise the Lord. It's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. And that's why we're into prosperity and not into poverty. He's your treasure. He's the goodness of your life. He's the joy of your soul. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. Go to the next one. Verse 23. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. How many of you know that when you're in the midst of problem solving, where's your focus? Come on. When you're in the midst of problem solving, where's your focus? Problems. And let's go back. Problems are not from God. Problems are from the devil. So you've been focusing on the devil. No wonder you're angry and you're mad and you're sad. Are we getting this? Are we getting this? I have the Holy Spirit saying to me. He said to me, Dora, you're living in a comedy and not in a tragedy. A lot of times, people like tragedies. It's like, you better not be too happy all the time. Like something's wrong if, you, if, if you're happy all the time. How many of you have experienced that it's easier to help someone who is sad? Isn't that true? It's easier to help someone who is sad. Do better. Because he's sad. And you're glad. So let me help you. We are not living in a tragedy. We are the sons of God. We are the children of God. We're having heaven on earth. We're not living in a tragedy. We're living in a comedy. Our life has a good end. What better end is going to heaven? What better end, amen, than is going to heaven? Amen. Can I say to the person next to you, I'm living in a comedy, not a tragedy. Come 
on, tell yourself, there's no need to be tragic. Your life is not tragic. Come on. Come on, say to yourself, my life is not tragic. Are you happy? Are you happy that your life is not tragic? (laughs) Glory be to God. Amen. The light of the body is the eye. So if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye be evil, the whole body will be full of darkness. And therefore, the light that is in you, if it has been replaced by problem, replaced by darkness, how great is that darkness? So where you focus is where your environment is going to be. How many of you know that if you're living with somebody who is always angry and sad and mad and judgmental and critical, you seldom get any joy. You're always trying to tiptoe around that person just in case, you know, you make him sad again. Come on, say to the person next to you, I'm happy. I'm happy. Can I ask you to do something to your face this morning? Let's have a little bit of facial massage. Come on, move your face. Come on. Come on. Poke it. Move it. And cause smile. Come on. Do a smile for yourself. Come on. Do a smile for yourself. Do a smile for yourself. Come on, make you smile. Make yourself smile. He has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. I'm so glad that he has made me glad. Jesus makes me glad. Oh, Jesus makes me glad. I'm so glad that Jesus makes me glad. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go to verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The lust after money is the root of all evil. You can be thinking, I'm so poor, I'm so poor, I need more money. You can be already very rich. You can have a lot of houses already, but your mind keeps telling you, you're poor, you're poor, you're poor. And you don't look at the money you have in your account. You don't look at the money you have in your bank. And your mind is still telling you, you're poor, and you're poor, and you're poor. And no wonder you don't enjoy life. Why? Because you're being driven by a poverty mentality. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that God has never given us a poverty mentality? God has never given us a poverty mentality. You may only have $10, but you feel rich. Because I know my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Somebody else can walk up to me and give me $500 when I only have $10 in my pocket. I have, I have experienced, I'm in a restaurant eating, and then I realized I didn't have my purse with me. And then I saw somebody walking into the restaurant, and that person paid for my meal. 
How many of you want to live a life like that? It's not going to what we have. It's not going to how hard we work. It's not going to our planning. Of course, don't get me wrong. We need to plan. Don't say to me, don't tell everybody and say, Pastor Dora said you can just go eat without bringing your purse with you. I didn't say that, okay? (laughs) What I'm saying is that we don't live by poverty. We live by prosperity. Come on, say with me, my God will meet all my needs. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you know that the minute you say that, every devil trembles? Because he wants to bully you. He wants to beat you up so bad. Don't satisfy him. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Go with me to Matthew. Continue with that because we don't have that much time. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus said, it's not life more than meat. Don't waste your time eating and not enjoying life. I need to eat because if I don't eat, I'm going to die. So you're eating something you don't like. (laughs) I need to work. I need to work. If I don't work, then I cannot live. And you're losing your life. Why don't you enjoy what you eat? Why don't you enjoy what you do? Come on, lift up your hands. Come on. Enjoy, enjoy your life. Live your life. Live it to the max. Cherish your life. Love your wife. Love your husband. You're living with him or her anyway. Why not have a good time? Well, you say, I'm going to divorce him. Well, you have an even worse time. The the first thing you find out when you get into a divorce is that nobody's going to provide for you. You have to be the man and the wife at the same time. Amen. Say to the person next to you, we're living together. Let's be nice to each other. Amen. Amen. And for the children as well. You're living with your parents. Okay? You can never divorce your parents. Even after you've got married, you've left your house, and you marry someone else, you are still with your parents. You can never cut off a natural relationship that comes from God. A faithful relationship. So why don't you do yourself some good and bless your parents? Amen? Stay with me, bless my parents. Whenever you're blessing someone, you're sowing good, and whatever good you sow, you shall reap. The carnal mind says, well, he does not deserve me to be so good to him. I need to show him a bit of color and tell him that I hate him. Love does not work by what that person deserves. Can we say amen? Whether that person deserve your love or not, it is still to your good to love that person. Can we say amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And if you look at uh, verse 33 in Matthew 6, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So how do I not run into problems? 
Number two, identify the way that you are on. I'm talking about the way of your thoughts. I'm talking about the way of your feelings. I'm talking about the way of your decisions. I'm talking about the way of your will. Go to Psalm 37, verse 23. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps, read this together with me. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And he delights in his way. How many of your parents, before you, you gave birth to your children, you would prepare the baby room? Or you would go and get things ready for your babies to be birthed. Okay, that's how God's heart is towards us. Our God is the God of preparation. He has a plan prepared for you even before you were born. So it's foolish for me not to know the plan. And it's foolish for me to disregard the plan. It's foolish of me not to follow his plan. Because his plan has all his provisions, has all his counsels, has all his preparations for my good. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. So make sure that you're traveling on the way of God. Amen. Number three. This is a very important question. This would solve a lot of your problems. Does God have a gray way? Does God have a gray way? Neither black nor white. Gray. Yes or no? No. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. Because I know some of us, you know, we don't feel comfortable when our life is too good. We don't feel comfortable when we're too happy. And when we see somebody so happy, we get jealous. It's foolish to compare. That's the devil's way. Don't go down that path. Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. How many of you have read the scripture again and again and again many times? But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat, thereof you shall surely die. I want you to see that conjunction. It's the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Not good or evil. Good and evil. Not good or evil. Good and evil. Can you be entertaining something good and entertaining something bad at the same time? We do that a lot of times. Oh, I believe God for divine health. But it's okay. People get sick a little bit. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you very, very much. But I don't like that part. Yes, I'm very, very, very contented. But I still have those problems. Good and evil are mixed. Can you mix good and evil together? Read that scripture again. It's not good or evil, but the knowledge of good and evil mixed together. Let me illustrate this for you. Good with bad, right with wrong, love with hate, grace with law, salvation with damnation, mercy with judgment, health with sickness, God with devils, 
Can you mix them together, honestly? Can you love me and damn me at the same time? Can you make me healthy and make me sick at the same time? How many of us think like that towards God? How many of us think like that towards people? Just in case, I don't want to be too good to you. Just in case, I need to protect myself with a little bit of uh, anger or dislike towards you. How many of you think subconsciously that being such a good person, maybe it's not too safe for you? I have. I've shouted and screamed at God. I said, God, I don't want to be so good. It makes me so vulnerable. It's like everybody is treading on me. I don't like it. And then he taught me. You have to be overwhelmingly good to defeat the devil. If you give him a little bit of bad, he will take it and he will multiply. He will spread in your life. How many of you have heard of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? The Bible says that you have to be filled to the overflowing. Filled to the overflowing. Now, we have a bucket here. This is empty. How many of you know that if I fill it with water, half full is also half empty? If it is half full, I can put in Poison. I can put poison there. Even though it's got half filled with water, clean water, I can still put poison in there. Even if I filled it 90% to the brim, 90%, I can still add a little bit of poison and the whole thing will become toxic. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just a little bit. That's why Jesus said, don't give the devil a foothold. A little bit of evil can do a lot of harm. You know what I'm talking about? Go with me to um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Matthew 5, 37. Are we okay? Yes. But let your communication be yes, yes, no, no. For whatsoever is more than these come of evil. Jesus said you better set your boundaries. Yes is a yes. No is a no. Don't compromise. The devil will teach you to compromise. The devil will give you excuses to compromise. Because it's the devil. The devil is the one who tempted them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How many of you know that the world is not all bad? Come on. How many of you have watched movies that they are not all bad? You can still find some good in it. Because that's what the world is like. The world is a mixture of good and evil. If you're all good, they say you're fanatical. If you're all good, they say you're too extreme. How many of you have experienced that? <laughs> they call us fanatical Christians. They call us fanatics because we believe that God is all good. 
We believe that God won't put sickness on our bodies. They think that you are too extreme. How many of you know that God is not a little bit of good and a little bit of evil? How many of you know that God is all good and all the time? Say with me, God is good all the time. He's all good. Amen. And you know that this is repeated in James chapter 5 verse 12. James chapter 5 verse 12. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, I want you to see the last word of that. Come on, read that together with me. Lest you fall into condemnation. If you're always compromising, changing and moving, here and there and everywhere, you fall into condemnation because you have no conviction. You have no absolutes to live by. You have nothing strong to fall back on. Even though you say you're a Christian, even though you're born again, but you live like a Gentile. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Sometimes yes to God, sometimes no to God, sometimes believe the Bible, sometimes you don't believe the Bible, falling into condemnation. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 verse 2, Romans chapter 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me ask you, how many laws do we have here? Romans chapter 8. How many laws? Louder? Louder? Two. What are they? A good law. The law of the spirit of life. And another law, the law of sin and death. Are you sure we only have two, not three? Only two. Only two. Remember, completely separated, two different laws, two different ways, two different paths, two different songs, two different way of living. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Well, you said, wow, are you being very harsh, Pastor Dora? I don't know how I can live this Christian life. Well, let me ask you, do you want to live a defeated Christian life? You are a Christian, you go to church, you tithe, you give offerings, you all the good, but your life is completely defeated. You're sick, you're poor, you're divorced, you have no home to live in, nobody likes to be with you. How many of you want to live a life like that? No, you want to live a victorious, triumphant, successful Christian life. Hallelujah. And that's why you need to be completely sold out to the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? So Jesus is saying you have nothing in common. Nothing, nothing in common. 
Nothing. How many of you have had a white shirt and you've had uh, blueberries? Okay. Or your grandson has had blueberries. And then the blue gets into your white shirt. How many of you know that even though I love blueberries, the blue and my white shirt has nothing in common? What do you have to do? Bleach it. What do you have to do? Bleach it. What do you have to do? Bleach it. Bleach your mind with the word of God. Bleach your mind with the word of God. You and the devil has nothing in common. Don't take it and accept it as part of you. Pornography is not part of you. Greed is not part of you. Failure is not part of you. Sinning is not part of you. Competitive jealousy, comparison is not part of you. Amen. Lift up your hands with me and say, I'm a child of God. I'm all good. One more time. I'm a child of God. I'm all good. Amen. Hallelujah. Are we okay? How do we not run into problems? Number four. Not the path of carnality. A lot of times we excuse ourselves and say, I'm still weak. There's God, there's the devil, but there's me. So God's way, the devil's way, and my way. So you've added one more way. Just now we said that there are only two laws. But you've added another law. That's your law. And you have this and now the word of God for your experience. Your experience has become more powerful than the word of God. Can that be so? No. Your pain is more powerful than God's healing? No. Your sickness is stronger than the blood of Jesus? No. Your hurt, your hurt, your pain, your hurt is more powerful than the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus? No. Amen. Let me give this to you as the Lord had given it to me. How many of you have had pocky pies before? Like a chicken pie? How many of you have had a chicken pie before? Yeah? A meat pie? You know what it is like. Okay. So our carnal self is like a meat pie to demons. He'll munch you. Devils love to devour the human will, human thoughts, and the human emotion and take their spirit all together with them to hell. Without the word and the Holy Ghost, the human self is helpless a helpless victim to demonic attacks. Why? Because your soul, which is made up of your will, your thoughts, and your emotions, is all natural. You don't have a supernatural element in your soul. Your soul processes only natural information. That is partaking of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the sense knowledge. Knowledge that comes to you through your five physical senses. Your soul is not spiritual. And that's why you have to work out, I have to work out 
my salvation with fear and trembling. My spirit is born again. My spirit is saved. But my soul needs to be transformed on a continual basis. Otherwise, it can easily go back to the natural. The natural is the world. And the world, the God of the world, is the devil himself. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's why we can live by natural feelings. We can live by natural thoughts. We can live by natural will because our soul reacts in the natural to the natural. And that's why Jesus has already told us that his word is live and his word is spirit. And that's why the Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee before persecuting the church, when he was loving God, he thought that he was loving God, but he was persecuting the church. And he realized that he must not live by his mind. He must not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing, by the renewing of the mind. You save your mind, you save your life. If you walk, you want to walk into divine prosperity, you need to renew your mind with divine financial prosperity. If you want to walk in divine physical health, you need to renew your mind with the word of God on divine health. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We need to be spiritualized. Your soul needs to be spiritualized. The word is spirit and the word is life. You don't need Jesus to stand in front of you for you to be spiritual. Take up the word of God, eat of the word, and you shall be spiritual. Even as you are now listening to the word, your will, your mind, your emotions are being spiritualized. How many of you know that God works by the law of attraction? God attracts you to him. The word of God attracts you, draws him, because he's the life. He's the love. He's all that is good. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. That's why Jesus said you must be born again, because it's only when you are born again that you can have the power of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Go with me to Romans chapter chapter 8, verse 6. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Give me a bit more time, okay? I'm going to finish. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. You won't see me for two weeks, so I can, I can preach a little bit longer. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Okay. For to be carnally minded is human weakness. Is that true? No, the word does not say that. To be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death. It falls into the law of sin and death. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Look at verse 7. Because the carnal mind, the natural mind, the human mind is enmity against God. I keep asking you to pray, but you still don't pray. 
Because the carnal mind says, I don't know how to pray, so I'm not going to embarrass myself. You know what I'm talking about? We have millions of excuses not to do spiritual activities, but you know and you know and you know that we need spiritual activities. Come on, say with me, spiritual activities. One more time, spiritual activities. What are they? Come on, name me some spiritual activities. Praying, what else? Worshipping, what else? Listening to the word, one more. Witnessing. Many, many spiritual activities. You need to make time for spiritual activities. And you need to get around. Get around spiritual people. Get around spiritual people. Get around spiritual people. How many of you know that Elijah followed Elijah? Even though in the natural, Elijah was not easy to live with. But definitely, he's a very spiritual man. He was raptured. Taken up. Sometimes it's hard to get along spiritual people because our perspectives can be so, so different. I can be less spiritual with you and try to be more carnal, but it's not good. You know what I'm talking about? Hey. Because my spirituality can offend you. And so in order not to make you feel mad and not to make you feel offended, I will try to be more carnal with you. But it's not good for me and it's not good for you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So you need to pray for your pastor and don't always try to get your pastor to love you and give you attention and pamper you. Oh, oh that's a lot of pressure. Pastor Dora doesn't like me. She doesn't even greet me. Sorry, I was thinking, so my eyes were looking at you, but my mind was somewhere else. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject. It's not that he doesn't choose to. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. And that's why Jesus... His spirituality had to come from heaven to earth in our midst. Because we need his spirituality. Can we say amen? Can we say amen? Come on, lift up your hands and say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Jesus had his flesh crucified to give us his spirit. His spirit has absolute authority over the human nature, absolute authority over devils. Say with me, I'm no longer carnal, but spiritual. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The last one. The last one. How not to run into problems and troubles in my life? Live the ascended life. Live the ascended life. How many of us know that as Christians, we're going up, we're not going down? We're going up. We're going up. We're going up. We're not going down. Your flesh wants to gravitate towards self-indulgence. 
Your flesh loves chocolate cake. Your, love, your flesh loves all the cream and all the sweetie stuff. Love all the pearl tea. <laughs> love all the salty stuff. The flesh gravitate. What's the natural? But your spirit wants to go up. Your spirit wants to forgive, but your flesh wants to show a little bit of color. (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about? Your flesh wants to slap that person, but your spirit says, forgive. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. So we need to choose to live the ascended life. Ascended life. Ascended life. Can we finish with Isaiah 58? How many of you know that Isaiah 58 is the fasting chapter? How many of you know that our flesh does not like to fast? You know, my flesh trembles the minute I say you're fasting. Flesh says, no, please. I know, I know the sound of my flesh. My flesh says, no fasting, please. (laughs) So you need to tell your flesh, it's time to fast. You need to tell your flesh it's time to come to church. You need to tell your flesh it's time to submit. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. Your flesh will not just naturally submit. The flesh has to be told what to do. Amen. So let's look at Isaiah 58, verse 13 to 14. Is that okay? Read this together with me. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, From doing your pleasure on my holy day. Say with me, today is a holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight, not a duty, not a chore, not an obligation, a delight. The holy of the Lord. The word holy means joyful. The word holy means pleasurable in the spiritual sense. The holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, doing your own things, finding your own pleasure, speaking your own words. And then continue, please. And then what happens? This anticipation. Then shall you delight. God wants to take us from this dutiful Christian attitude to a delightful Christian attitude. God does not want us to just be dutiful. Duty, 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 obligation, duty, duty. No, God wants you to taste and see. That the Lord is good. You shall then delight yourself in the Lord. I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. You'll be like the drones (laughs) flying above the earth. You are above and not beneath the head and not the tail. And feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. And this is so strong in the heart of God that he says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How many of you know that he speaks means he's sending it out. Lift up your hands and receive. 
So God is saying that if you would lose yourself in the service of me, if you would lose yourself and serve me, lose yourself, lose sight of yourself and gain sight of my goodness, of my heart towards you, your life will be absolutely, absolutely awesome and good. Can we say amen? Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He said that you will be exercising dominion and authority. Everywhere you go, whatever you do, troubles will no longer be able to torment you and devour your life anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Glory be to God. Can I ask you to stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me. If you're here this morning, I want to tell you that it's not an accident that you're here. You're here being drawn by the Holy Spirit. You are here because God has drawn you to this place. He has a plan for you. He has his heart towards you, the heart of a father. And he wants to bless you, not to curse you. He wants to give you a hope and a future that the devil can never give you, the world can never give you, and you can never give yourself. So lift up your hands and receive. Amen. Be completely overwhelmed by his goodness. Be totally sold out to his goodness. Listen to this sermon one more time and be convinced of the goodness of God for your life. And serve him. Serve him. Serve him out of joy and gladness because now you have known him. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I have the musicians to come on stage, please?